right, all right. Join the Journey family, friends, and guests. You're listening to Join the Journey podcast with your host, Emma Daughter. Thanks for joining. Today, we're taking a look at Proverbs 10. But more specifically, we are going to talk about the structure of Proverbs. What are Proverbs? How are they organized? And why does today's reading begin with the saying, the Proverbs of Solomon? Aren't they all Proverbs of Solomon? What are we to make of this book's structure? And to start us off, I want you to think about the game Clue. Yes, the board game Clue. Colonel Mustard in the study with the candlestick. That game you probably haven't thought about in ages. As the game progresses, as you play it, you become more and more certain regarding who committed the crime. Then you ask more questions and you slowly discover not only who committed the crime, but also where they committed it and with what item. Now, the order in which you find out that information might vary from game to game, but in order to win the game, you've got to know who committed the crime and the details surrounding it. If you only knew who did it, but you didn't know the how or where, you couldn't win. And I start there because up until chapter 10, the book of Proverbs has been detailing who the truly wise man is. It's been all about the who. Think about it. Chapter 1, verse 7. The wise man fears the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. If the person hates wisdom and instruction, they are a fool. They are not wise. Chapter 2. The wise man listens to good instruction. Verse 1. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, verse 5, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and the fear of knowledge. If the person doesn't listen to instruction and treasure it, they are a fool. They are not wise. Chapter 3, the wise man trusts God and doesn't rely on himself. Verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. If the person trust, doesn't trust God and thinks they know everything, they are a fool. They are not wise. And I could keep going. That's just three chapters. We could do all nine, but I think you get the point. Up until now, in our reading of Proverbs, we've primarily been looking at the who. Who is truly wise? Well, just look at Proverbs chapters one through nine and you'll have your answer. So think about Clue. You've got your culprit. We've got the who. We know who is truly wise and we know who is truly foolish. But just like in Clue, in order to win or in order to win this game of life, you've got to know the where and the what. And one commentator puts it like this. Chapters 1 through 9, as we have seen, contain discourses that someone, probably Solomon, wrote urging his son to choose the way of wisdom for his life. However, another theologian believed that if Solomon had written the first nine chapters, chapter 10, verse 1 would read, these also are the Proverbs of Solomon. At 10.1, we begin the part of the book that sets forth what the wise way is in a variety of life situations. Until now, the book of Proverbs has been identifying the truly wise man. From this point on, it will describe how such a man should conduct his life from day to day. This logical order appears in many New Testament epistles, where the saved person is first identified, and then the daily life he should live is described. Examples can consist of Romans 1 through 5 and 6 through 8, and Ephesians 1 through 3 and 4 through 6. And truly, I think this is an astute observation. In chapters 1 through 9 of Proverbs, we get the who. Who is truly a wise person? But what are they marked by and how do they live? So now we're going to get the what and the when. 
And as we continue through the book of Proverbs, we're going to encounter what theologians or scholars call maxims. Now, to put it succinctly, I'm going to read from Dr. Constable's notes, and then I'll put it in my own words. He says, There are 184 maxims in in chapters 10 through 15, and 191 in chapters 16 through 22, for a total of 375 maxims. What's a maxim? Here you go. He says, A maxim is a succinct or pithy saying that has some proven truth to it, a general rule, principle, or truth. This group or this selection of reading represents only a few of the 3,000 Proverbs Solomon wrote. See 1 Kings 4.32. Watke, another theological scholar, wrote that the book of Proverbs contains 930 saying. Most of the Proverbs in this section are one verse long and contain two lines each. They are couplets. The second line contrasts or compares or completes the idea expressed in the first. This is Hebrew parallelism. In chapters 10 through 15, most couplets contain antithetic parallelism. The key word is but. In chapters 16 through 22, there are more synonymous parallelisms marked by the conjunction and rather than but. There are also continuous sentences in which the second line continues the thought of the first. See Proverbs 14.26. Some couplets contain comparisons in which the relative value of the two things is set forth, see Proverbs 11.31, and some contain a statement in which the first line followed by an explanation in the second line. He concludes, okay, what what do you make of all that? Here's what you need to know. Let me put it in, in simple terms. Number one, a maxim is a saying that is short and to the point. It is a principle, not a promise, meaning it's generally true, but the way it plays out will vary across most circumstances. Number two, Proverbs chapters 10 through 22 contain around 375 maxims, but King Solomon probably wrote around 3,000. Some scholars count these maxims differently, but at the end of the day, we can say Proverbs has between 375 and 900 catchy sayings. And then number three, conclusion three, the reason these numbers are different is because most of them are written as couplets. They're two-line statements that compare and contrast two ideas. And there are different literary devices used to describe these pairs. But at the end of the day, we all see how the two lines work together to communicate or emphasize a point. So here's an example. Take verse two from today's reading. Treasures gained by wickedness do not profit line two, but righteousness delivers from death. Count the two lines as one maxim or two. The point is simple. If you get your wealth through sinful means, you're not winning. But if you choose integrity, you'll save yourself from future pain. That's the point. The pairs of lines work together to strengthen an idea or communicate a lesson. Now, when it comes to how these maxims are organized throughout the book, one commentator puts it like this. Why did the Holy Spirit not arrange these Proverbs topically so we could study all of them that deal with one subject together? I mean, they do seem pretty random. Perhaps he did so because the method he chose is a course of education in the life of wisdom. As we read Proverbs chapter by chapter, the Spirit of God has the freedom to teach us about many subjects, and we never know from day to day which topic we'll need the most. Just as the Bible itself isn't arranged like a systematic theology textbook, neither is Proverbs. What Solomon wrote is more like a kaleidoscope than a stained glass window. We never know what the next pattern will be, he concludes. And in short, 
We don't know why the Proverbs are arranged the way they are, but we can trust that the Spirit will teach us through them nonetheless. Now, as chapter 10 begins, our question of the day, we read this disclaimer, the Proverbs of Solomon. And if you're anything like me, you're asking, what? I thought we've been reading the Proverbs of Solomon this whole time. What's going on here? And again, it's important to remember that in chapter 10, there is a shift. We are moving from the who, who is a wise person, to the what, or said differently, the how. How does the wise person live? And another commentator puts it like this. Solomon advocated choosing things that produce profit and things of true value. He pictured wise living in a variety of contexts. He urged making wise investments, valuing righteousness, and avoiding trouble. He also pointed out the fruits of wise living and concluded this section of the book with further advice for wise living, in reference to chapters 10 through 15. Now that said, some scholars have differing views in regard to this disclaimer. While some conclude that this note that Solomon wrote the Proverbs simply indicates a shift in topic, others think if Solomon had written Proverbs 1 through 9, the start of chapter 10 would read, these also are the Proverbs of Solomon, just as I said earlier. At the end of the day, though, it really is up to you to study and determine who you think wrote the first nine Proverbs. Reality is, while no one can know for sure, we can trust that these are the Proverbs God wants us to read. That's all we've got time for. Links for new journals are in the episode description. And as always, I'm so glad we're all on this journey reading the Bible together. Hey, we want to thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed the episode. Did you know that you can help support Join the Journey by rating and reviewing this podcast? And if you're willing, we'd love it if you subscribe because the more you download, the easier it will be for new friends to find the podcast.